This episode of Commentary, Trek Stars, is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPad, and iPod, Android, Kindle, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. This is J.G. Hertzler, General Martalker on Deep Space Nine, and you're listening to Trek FM. Hello and welcome to Season 4, Episode 8 of Commentary, Trek Stars, a show which deals with the work of Star Trek creators outside of Star Trek. I'm Mike. I'm Max. And today we are joined by the... Con! Of Trek FM? I was going to yeah. say the, the Benny Russell of Trek FM. Well, the <laughs> overarching, like, constant force, for better or bad. I mean, you know, he's, he's always there. Okay, fair enough. Sometimes he's white, sometimes he's not. <laughs> Today we are joined by the con of Trek FM, Chris Jones. How's it going, Chris? It's pretty good. Thanks for having me on. I've never been referred to as the con before. I'm not sure how I think about that. I guess that if you guys get sick, you can always borrow some of my magic blood and you'll be better, right? Again. Sounds it sounds like a plan Because <laughs> we've already done that like a bunch of times while you were sleeping. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah. So this is only season four? I thought this was like season 27 of Commentary Trek Stars. No, no, we do, you know, 26 episodes a season, just like Star Trek, and then seven That's seasons. That's because you guys haven't brought Scott Bakula on the show yet. Then you'd be doing 22. That's right. That's true. That's true. No, we're, we're keeping it keeping it old school. By old school, <laughs> I mean next generation. So Yes. Yeah. By old school, right. you mean the one specifically with the word new in it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, today we're going to be doing something a little different. Today we're going to be talking about a fictional creator of Star Trek, and that's Benny Russell. Fictional. Be- fictional. I take issue with that question. Okay. Benny Russell, of course, is the character that Benjamin Sisko plays. Not, <laughs> not, not, you know, yes, I think that's accurate. That Benjamin Sisko plays in the Deep Space Nine episode, Far Beyond the Stars. This is the episode, for those people who don't remember, where Cisco has a, uh, a vision or something along those lines. And This is the episode where Benny Russell stops for a moment pretending that he's Benjamin Cisco. There you go. Mm-hmm. I guess that's one way of looking at it. And it takes place in the 50s, and every uh, character has sort of like a Wizard of Oz thing going on where they're playing proxies for themselves, or maybe not, but, you know, different versions of themselves. Benny Russell's people, the people he knows in life, uh, their faces and voices are, are present in Benjamin Sisko's life. There you go. Again, something like that. Maybe. Or maybe it's not. too bad we didn't get to see his friend who sits there in the diner, over in the corner, who never talks. God, why didn't they do that? Did they do that? They should have no, totally they gotten have, that though. dude. Oh, missed opportunities. Oh, well, maybe Dave Rossi and his team can stick it into the special edition when the Blu-rays come out. I assume he was just in Boston at the time. Maybe, maybe. That makes sense. I mean, it's a sense. diner, it's not a bar. <laughs> That's Still, true. it's close enough. That would have been really cool. Oh, man. So many missed opportunities. <laughs> I just watched... I just, actually, quite a while now, because it's been a long time coming, but I watched this episode with my fiance Emily, and we got into this crazy, absurd argument about whether or not uh, these characters and their relationships in both universes were in some way related. Mm-hmm. And um, they very clearly are, Sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. And the other ones aren't, and that's it. <laughs> There's no one-to-one correlation, and trying to make that work is ridiculous. It's even even with the names. Like, I, I'm going to be honest here. When I was watching this last night in preparation, this was the first time that I ever thought, Oh, Benny, like Benjamin. <laughs> I know... <laughs> 
I know that for like a long time you could not get the name Benny Russell out without honest like this is crazy. You would change the last name to like Hill. Yes. Um, um, what was the other one? Um, there was one. There was a blues guy that you kept bring bringing in. I forget. Uh, oh, Benny Goodman. Was okay. The other one. Yeah. All right. And there was another one, mm-hmm. but it was like really. I, you know, I had trouble with it. What can What's I say? What's the deal? I don't know what it was. I, even now, every time I say it, I'm like, am I saying the right thing? I think I'm saying the right thing. Benny Russell. Okay. To me, this is the episode that, uh, that, that asked the question, is, is it necessary that one reality is exclusive? Mutually exclusive with another one that is mutually exclusive. I mean, these are two mutually exclusive realities, and the show kind of says that they're both true. And and we'll get into that um, for sure. But before we do, which me, it's like that's the thing I came away from Deep Space Nine with. Like that's awesome. Yeah, like it's it's it, it bridges that gap. It's like it, we are going to legitimately say that there are two mutually exclusive concepts here, and they are both true. And that applies to a lot of Deep Space Nine, including like these are human beings, and they are better people than we are, and our society has advanced. Also, no. Okay, so before we get into all that, let's just look at the episode itself. Far Beyond the Stars. Now, this is considered by many people to be the best episode in all of Deep Space Nine. It's the highest rated episode on Geos, which we know all know is somewhat dubious, but also somewhat representative of, of what people are thinking. Um, At so, the very least, possibly questionable, because maybe those people are too smart to represent the general population. Perhaps. Maybe. I think the X-Files thing's really really painted that picture for me it could be now chris what are your thoughts on uh, far beyond the stars it's one of my favorite episodes of ds9 of course and all of star trek and just as a fan of general science fiction and sf literature i love it for that too it's one of those rare star trek stories where you could almost take the star trek elements out of it and it still works just fine. I mean, you can't completely take it out because it is about him dreaming, which we'll talk about what, what's really going on here. But Benny Russell picturing himself as Benjamin Sisko, the captain of the space station. So if you didn't have the space station, which is the S9, yes, but you could still develop that whole universe of Deep Space Nine just for this one story, if it were a book, without having the wrappings of the rest of the series, and it would work just fine. So you can lift it just right out of the continuity and just it's just a great piece of writing. Max, your thoughts on the episode? This episode sort of like falls into a category of science fiction stories, which is um it's all a dream. And that might like for some people it's very infuriating, like the it's all a dream thing. And um and I, I agree with the infuriation uh, on, on a lot of points. Generally speaking, I think that if you view the, the Wizard of Oz as Dorothy hits her head and dreams she's in another universe, that makes the story incredibly stupid and, and sort of meaningless. But if you assume that um, hitting her head and going unconscious and actually being in an actual place that actually exists, but possibly only in her mind... That's an interesting place to go. It's an interesting philosophical question. And, uh, and, and when you deal with the possibility of realities outside of our own reality, you don't necessarily have to imply uh, a hierarchy. One can be nested within another one, which in turn contains the previous one. And that's, I think, a really interesting thing that Deep Space Nine handled very intelligently. And my only complaint is that the show did not explicitly say to the audience, they're both real, deal with it. Yeah, and that's something that they were discussing doing, you know, which which we can talk about in, in a little bit as well. Um, for me personally, I, I do love this episode. Uh, watching it again last night, I was amazed at how quickly it flies by you know there are some hours of star trek which feel like multiple hours of star trek and this one feels like 20 minutes you know i would have welcomed more episodes oh yeah where he goes like i would have welcomed a lot more and there's a little bit there's a little bit but i would have welcomed one i mean if they'd done this season two i would have welcomed it once a year if not more that would have opened up a lot more questions but uh who cares no 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 i mean I, look i mean and that's something that we can we can talk about too uh because a lot of people probably would care not well avery brooks maybe. actually said that he thought this should be a two-parter yeah 
I wish it was much more than that. Like I, I wouldn't not, like. I, I'm I'm not a fan of like the Lost format of like two different parallel storylines that mirror each other in some way. Mm-hmm. But like, I would be fine if if Deep Space Nine had done that, and I would be fine if a Star Trek show did that because there is something there. In a way, this episode is basically about the whole show, yeah. and all the movies, all the shows, all the episodes. In a way, this episode is sort of about the question of does it matter that these characters are fictional. And the episode itself presents the possibility that Benny Russell is fictional or Benjamin Sisko is fictional. And does it matter that they're fictional? Because no, it doesn't. Honestly, it kind of doesn't. Because they're real to him. Whoever him is in the question. You know, when, when I... Which I love that. That's awesome. When I had first seen this, this episode as it aired, um, I was definitely in the fan mindset of like the the idea that this was an, a, a possible reality um never occurred to me because how could it be there's too many contradictions with the rest of the canon you know i i, I didn't think that that there that was ever there was never a thought in my mind that that could could be possible and then when i heard about you know uh, Iris Stephen Bear talking about how you know he he was thinking about ending it with Benny Russell being the creator of this show that we just watched. Yeah, I thought like no, no, don't you can't. How that was that's obviously an idea which would never work. I could see him wanting to do that, but it obviously doesn't make any it's sense. One of those things that is, sounds like oh, this would be cool, but then it doesn't yeah. work for the end of the show. And it was one of those, the, one of the few times where I was thinking, like, "Oh, I'm kind of glad that you know someone yeah. like Rick Berman would have stepped in to, because uh, otherwise you're sort of breaking the continuity of of the overall franchise." At what point was However, he thinking about that, though? Because where they ended up going with the end of the story really wouldn't have lent itself to that. Yeah, I don't know. I think it had to have been sometime, sometime in. Season well, seven. Season I do know. Six, I, I don't right know if here. you remember this. Anyone remembers this? Probably not. But I remember um, as season six was was going on, there was some talk about the show actually being canceled at the end of season six. At, like mm-hmm. I don't think anyone really thought it was going to happen, yeah. but there was definitely that that possibility. And I remember reading an interview with Iris Stephen Bear, probably in in the Communicator. It's probably. Larry, who was interviewing him for for all I know, and uh, he said, you know, like, well, what do you think about this? You know, blah blah blah. And he's like, look, I hope we go seven seasons. If we go six seasons, it's okay. I definitely know how the show is going to end. I could write the finale today if I needed to. Mm. Do you guys remember that? I'm guessing that this didn't involve the fire caves at this point. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, I don't really remember this. No, but. I guess at that point, maybe he was thinking what you're saying here. I think once they got into season seven, that was kind of out, yeah. out the window and then they led up yeah. to it. But when you get to the end of the series, there's what's interesting about this episode is there are so many ways that you can read it because everything that, that Max is talking about is absolutely there. And, and is the way that I read the episode for most of the years. But then as I dig more and more into Deep Space Nine, and when you look back at this and Shadows and Symbols together, the other angle on this is that Benny Russell is a tool for the prophets, the war between the prophets and the power wraiths. In this episode, the prophets give Benjamin Sisko this vision to keep him on his path. And in Shadows and Symbols, the power wraiths give him the same vision in order to try to prevent him from finding the orb of the prophet. Or the orb of the mm-hmm. emissary, I should say. I disagree. Well, what? what, what I, I'm think? not disagreeing with like the the concept. I'm disagreeing with like the language. I don't think that the Pyrrhites gave him the vision. I think that the Pyrrhites gave him doubt that they were both real. Mm. Like it essentially transposed the consciousnesses of Benny and Ben, and threw doubt as to whether or not they were both legitimate. Well, so then you're suggesting that Benny the, the and Benjamin are both is, real is, people and they're bringing Yeah, I'm, I, I'm saying that the asylum is a real place mm-hmm. and Benny Russell was there. Okay. And that in a way, Benny Russell's path was a kind of madness mm-hmm. because 
he legitimately did see this reality. Benny Russell is in a way kind of more awakened than Ben Sisko. Because Benny Russell is aware of everything that Ben Sisko is going through. But Ben Sisko can't be aware of everything Benny Russell is going through because he just can't handle it. And he has to remain sane. Benny Russell doesn't have to remain sane. He just gone he's gone crazy. He's accepted that he's that his lot in life is sort of to be two different people simultaneously, which is rough. It's rough for him. But that's fine. Because that's not his path. Okay, before we get any further, I I do have a question for you, Max. But um, I just do want to say that that while back in the day I would have had a huge problem with the series ending uh, with Benny Russell being the creator of the series, now looking at it and, and looking at this episode yesterday, I was like, wow, it really is definitely put out there that this is a possibility you know mm-hmm. i mean it's it's left open-ended in a sense and now being sort of not the literal fanatic that i was back then and and being open to sort of like just weird ideas and not having to make everything fit into place necessarily i would have really loved if they had done that see i, I don't I don't think there's a contradiction between those two things. Yeah. Because I, I don't think this is like this is like either A or B. I think like this episode is like saying like as a fan of Star Trek, as a fanboy, it is okay to be excited by the possibility that this universe includes other universes that possibly even include ours. And that's cool. And see that level is something that I had never even considered. I it, to me it was just sort of a, a taking one thing which was literal and transposing it with another thing which I thought of as being literal and that, you know, Benny Russell is creating Deep Space Nine and it's all in his head. Not that there are these shared realities or anything like that. But, I mean, now looking at it, it's like this is the type of thing which I I love. I mean, okay, I'm going to do this because, you know what, it's real, okay? But I'm going to compare Far Beyond the Stars to 22 Jump Street <laughs> because that movie just came out. Hold and- on, hold on. <laughs> Chris, um, the time zones are different. Has the apocalypse started there? <laughs> well, the sky was just darkened by a swarm of locusts. So, Oh, crap. Does right. that you mean sure something? Did? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now, if you it's look 1.30 at 20- p.m. here and yet it's dark, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's peak oil. Okay, okay. <laughs> I, obviously, you guys haven't seen Twenty Two Jump Street, but anyone who has, because we're people, will know that what we're talking, what I'm talking about. <laughs> Twenty Two Jump Street is kind of next level stuff. I was sort of blown away by that movie and its meta nature, and I see a very similar thing happening here with Far Beyond the Stars, and and the idea that you know this guy is writing the show that you're watching and and all that stuff, and you know it says that he has. You know, he wrote one story and then he wrote six more. Does that mean that, like, was the next one, like, past prologue and what was Captive Pursuits in there and everything like that? Well, I, I assume that by the time when he, he was, wrote, when he was putting this out, that was when he wrote Move Along Home. That's okay. what I was going to say. He wrote that, that's when they put him in the asylum. Yes. Okay. Uh, we are so right there at the same really dark sense of humor. And, and, you know, I mean, like, they even talk about in The Companion how when he's in the asylum in that episode in, yeah. in season seven and he's writing the stuff on the wall, all the crossed out stuff, deleted scenes, <laughs> the stuff that he's writing are the synopses that Erdman wrote for the companion, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. all in there and all that. That I mean, episode says that Terry Erdman is a lunatic. Then what happens <laughs> when he gets up to, you know, season six and he gets to far beyond the stars? Does he do that? Yes. Okay. Yes, he does. And, but and in order not... to do that, right. he then nests in sub-stories and sub-characters that created the next generation. Okay. And, 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 and then and, he actually writes us doing this. I mean, looking looking at all of that now, like, it, it gets me really excited and it makes me wish that that was a thing. However, my question for you, Max, is you said just offhandedly when we were talking um, on the other side of the commentary? Other side of the track. I don't know. Oh, the other side of the track. Such a much better... Just ask him before you say it. Okay, on the other side of the track, even though we don't have that in our (laughs) title here, but that's okay. On the other side of the track. That's really good, though. 
Um, you were saying that you didn't like one line of dialogue in that episode. Yes, yes. The um, like, I, I still have, I still take a little bit of issue with it because it is, it is sort of said. It, it's explicitly said that that in the follow up, um, um, image in the sand, symbols? image in the sand. Is it okay? Well, Shadows and Symbols is the one that has Benny Russell in it. Okay. Image in the Sand was the first part. The first part yeah. of the... Yeah. Okay, yeah. Image All right. in the Sand that, that, is the yeah, first yeah, part. Yeah. You're right. Okay. Uh, it's explicitly said that it's a false vision. Right. It's the only time that anyone ever says that that Benny Russell stuff, not so much. And, and like, I did some sort of, like, analysis of whether or not they were saying that the that the image was false like if is is he seeing is what he's seeing what he's experiencing not true or is there something about the experience that is not true and i think that the false vision was literally the people telling him this is false mm-hmm. which took a little bit of work because i had to sit there and think like what do they mean false vision like who is doing this and, and like what i take as being the pod rates trying to lead him off the path Yes, it took me a while, but like I tried to figure out what they were specifically referencing, and then like I was like, "Oh, it's the two new guys. Like they're the paw wraiths. Mm-hmm. They're the doctors saying this is false, and like the idea of like the false vision being like somebody saying this is a false vision. That's really cool, mm-hmm. and so to me." Like, the coolest interpretation is the one that I have to go with, because the alternative is just, like, so he just wasn't in an asylum? Benny Russell's life was fine from then on? Writing these stories that no one's going to buy for the rest of his life, not making any money. That's not a great life. This is probably exactly where he'd be. It's rough, but it's probably true. You know, I need to rewatch that that episode again because um well one of the things which which i always it always bothers me um when i'm watching far beyond the stars is i'm always waiting for the stuff in the asylum thinking like that's part mm-hmm. of that episode mm-hmm. you know and then it ends and i'm like oh that's the end oh i totally forgot about that you know but um like I never really considered up until now, I guess, like thinking about them as two parts because it always catches me off guard. I never, I never remember that he's in another episode and it always catches me off guard when I'm watching that episode and he shows up. He's in the asylum because of, I mean, that's where they leave him at the end of, of this episode, right? He, he has a complete breakdown. So he has like, a complete he, he's, breakdown. He's done. Like he, he basically says, I mean, we see him like shut down. Mm-hmm. as a person right and essentially like say like i don't know how to not do this yeah. like these are real people i can't stop seeing it yeah right like, i've i've some or uncorked some particularly upsetting kind of but really hopeful you know genie here and like i I'm, i can't really turn back yeah because like i'm stuck here and my life's gonna be bad no matter what but like escaping here helps me and it's true so screw you guys i am also kind of a captain in space so chris what what do you think about the idea of this being a shared reality or about benny russell being the creator of star trek or deep space nine and, and all that stuff well, how do we know Benny Russell didn't create create us so we could do a podcast and talk about? It? You know, we no, we could just possible. be. I think he a did figment in his imagination. It's it's really really interesting. I mean, I love thinking about that stuff as well, and whether you know what is reality. You know, there's the theory out there that we're all in a computer simulation that's being run somewhere. You never you never really know what reality is. It's um, interesting way of looking at it. I think what you were saying earlier, Mike, about the idea, I think that the most literal, what's shown on screen that's most literal is that Benny Russell is writing Deep Space Nine and we're watching a show that he's writing because when you get to Shadows and Symbols and he's writing out Cisco on Tyree looking for the orb of the emissary, he's saying, I haven't finished the story yet. I haven't done this. And so it's, it's very literal that he's writing it 
I think you have to dig deeper to get to what Max is talking about, where uh, there, I hadn't really thought about what Max is describing of they both exist and somehow their consciousness is being merged somehow. That's a very interesting way to look at it as well. I've typically just thought about it in the idea that one or the other is the reality, but we don't know which one it is. Well, Damn. like the like the voice of the prophets, like you know, um, I don't remember. I don't know if his character has a name, but the, his dad, the priest, mm-hmm. the the sidewalk lunatic. He's just called he says, priest. Actually, he's called priest. Okay. Well, I mean, he says you are the dreamer and the dream. Like he's he's not saying you are the dreamer and you're dreaming. He's saying you are both of these things. Like these right. are both things. Which is a these two line. universes. Mm-hmm. One is not in the other one. Like they are in each other. And you have to just deal with that. Like, I'm not going to make it easy for you because you need things to be nested in some particular way. He's saying mm-hmm. they're both in each other. Yeah, see, yeah. to me, I always thought of that as being a lot less literal. Like, yeah. like you are the dreamer, as in you're hoping for this new reality, mm-hmm. but also by writing the story, but you are h- helping to break through. But this is the prophets. Somewhere. They talk deep. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's true. I took it somewhere in between that. That's one of my favorite lines in Star Trek, actually, and the delivery is so great as well. But I took it as him telling because you see the uniform change a little bit, right? You know, it's both of them, and it's like yeah. you as Benny Russell, you're the dreamer. You're writing this story, hoping for a better future for uh, your people, for people of color, and as. As Cisco is the captain, you're the dream. You're what everyone is dreaming of that you'll be one day, which is is a little bit more literal than what uh, Max is describing. But what Max describes also makes excellent sense. Well, I mean, I don't think that that is inaccurate. Like for for one of them, like they are like experiencing a reality within their own, but we are not limited. By that, we can actually see them both as separate things, mm-hmm. but are also sort of like this is like the intersection point of two realities, and like from either one, the other one is contained within. But we don't actually need them to be one or the other. It's okay that they're both like you, they both are live in universes that contain the other universe. I mean, that's okay. Who cares? It's a box within a box that's within the first box. And, you know, we're going outside of universes here. We don't really, I mean, who cares if like universe A contains C, which in turn contains A. They're universes. They're pretty big. They can contain another universe, even if it's the other one. Okay. So now, Chris, what, I, I don't think that we've, we've actually, you know, asked you this just flat out, but if they had decided to go with ending the series as Benny Russell's creation or whatever, um, would you have liked that idea or not? I don't think so, personally. I mean, I think it sounds cool, and it wouldn't be the first time that a TV show has done that, of course, but... Deep Space Nine became mythology. I mean, it's the one Star Trek series that really is mythos. And the way that it played out and the way that it left things hanging. I mean, Cisco's gone, but he's not dead. And the crew, we, we see them as real people who become separated. And there's a sense of loss there as well with Jake. I mean, the scene of... Who would have thought the series will end with Jake Sisko and Kira standing there looking out of a window? I think that if you make it all a dream, it sort of weakens the whole mythos. It sort of weakens the whole story. It's It would be kind of cool, but for me, it would not have been the best ending for Deep Space Nine. Would you have had a problem with uh, what that said about the rest of the franchise outside of Deep Space Nine? I've never thought about it before, but I have been thinking about it as we've been talking today because then I'm thinking that, well, Benny Russell wrote the rest of Star Trek as well, and he wrote Justice, and what does that say about his fetishes? And oh, Everybody has off days, right? So, you know? <laughs> um, well, 
I, I don't know. I mean, the thing about Star Trek is that unlike Star Wars and other science fiction stories and franchises, it's actually a progression of our own time and our own future. And of course, now that we're in the year 2014, it's no longer seen as our future as much as it's an alternate path that our future might have taken. And then maybe it still might head in that way down the road somewhere. So it's hard for me to imagine that someone wrote all of Star Trek as a dream when it's really designed to be an extrapolation of where we were at the time we were writing it. And it's our own future and our our technology and our science evolved. So here's a question for for both of you then. Um, If they had ended it that way, what do you think the fan reaction would have been? Do you think that people would regard Deep Space Nine as highly as they do now, or do you think they'd regard it in even even higher, or or or, or what? I I think that I mean, like I like I recognize that my interpretation of they're both true is unusual, but I do actually think that that's the intention. I I believe that it is intended that Deep Space Nine and Benny Russell are both legitimate like realities they occurred in this continuity which includes two continuities i think that's that's the intention but i do understand that a lot of people don't know how to do that like like it's sort of difficult for people to sort of conceptually uh say yes both of these two realities that are mutually exclusive are both true because mutual exclusivity by its definition doesn't really make that possible but um, like the show says, like just for the sake of argument, this is both true. Deal with that, and uh, I think that's a very Deep Space Nine thing to do because they do that with everything, like like all of the like the, the conceptual philosophical reality issues are sort of the obvious version of that, but like the other versions, like the political and social and sexual connotations, those are also all true. Like pretty much, like it's a show about contradictions, like lots of good stories, and. I don't have a problem with them ending it that way, but I do believe that the fans would have quite possibly actually literally stormed a castle and burned yeah. someone alive. It's possible. Yeah, I was kind of thinking that as well. Yeah. And and like it you know, like they'll be, you know, they'll they'll have Ira Baird tied to the, the pole and he'll be like, No, they're both true. Please put the fire out. Oh, the burning. <laughs> well, you already had fans who aren't thrilled with the ending of DS9 and the fact that you make a Starfleet captain a, a god in the first place, then if you tell them it was all imaginary, that's yeah. I know it's a big leap for Star Trek I think, for the general fan base anyway Yeah, I mean I, I wouldn't have liked it I think back then because I would have been like, what does that mean for everything else? You know, if, See, if Deep Space Nine was a, was a self-contained What does it mean story? for the toy lines? That's yeah, what, what does it mean for the t- I don't know why you guys stop at that point. Obviously, <laughs> Benny Russell, his, his, his writings were then documented by some intern who thought that the story was actually kind of cool, and there was a posthumously published large volume book containing all the writings of this crazy person who, like, like um, PJ O'Rourke, was like then, uh, no, Kenny, Kenny O'Toole, uh, was determined to be actually really good content, and like, let's, let's publish this, it's great stuff, and somebody else was like, actually, this is really good, this is a cool, like, universe that this guy made, and like, like that dude like made a TV show based on that, and then like after a while they made several seasons of a spinoff of the, of a spinoff of the original show, and there's a bunch of movies like Far Beyond the Stars is a whole big thing. Deep Space Nine has now been a humongous thing, and like they're like you know it would actually make more sense if we started with the prequel and like did that, and then like eventually got to there because like then we got the stories all set up and we'll be solid, and like we end up eventually creating the episode that has us doing this right now. Yeah. Why not? Why why do you have to stop at that point? This took place in 1953. Have you guys checked archive.org to make sure that all his writing isn't on there somewhere and they didn't just rip him off and make a TV set? Did you? Was it there? No. It's It's been deleted, hasn't it? See? They covered their tracks really well. Well, I mean, I assume that they did the same thing with the Ferengi at Area 51. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So there are a number of. uh, characters in this in this episode who are writers that 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 represent 
real life writers or at least um well the writers room is, contains a lot of archetypes right and some, some of them, them are simple pretty one, obvious one to and, one and some of them are not i mean they've talked about how major kira's character was very much inspired by people like dc fontana she yeah. is dc fontana she is dc fontana i mean even down to the uh kc hunter yeah right yeah. And you know the guy obsessed with robots. I'm assuming who, who then publishes a, a novel. I'm assuming that's Isaac What's Asimov. Isaac right? Asimov. Yeah. There's actually yeah. a, there was a memo on his desk from Paps, from Renee Abersnoy's character, that says to um, Colmini's character Macklin, four laws of robotics is too many. I think you should think about losing one." Yeah. Yeah. Because Asimov says the three laws of robotics. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I'm, I guess I'm not as up on 50s uh, science fiction authors as, as I should be, but are there any other obvious ones? I mean, I know that there's like archetypes, like, you know, the, the communist writer who's, right. you know, afraid of being, you know, persecuted. And, well, that, yeah, that, he's in there. Rossoff was who Armin Shimmerman played, who was a communist. And this is right, you know, during McCarthyism. So having him in there is, is good. I, I've I've always liked to interpret him as Harlan Ellison. Yeah, just yeah, because that's, he's also yeah. ridiculously short and very short-tempered and that's would true. punch people. Yeah, yeah, that that is true. Thinking about it, that makes a lot yeah. of sense. Um, and then you know the the publisher, I guess he's just, or the editor, he's just probably representative of a lot of people. I I. I assume that he's got to be a, an amalgam of a bunch of people because yeah. he doesn't really have too many individual characteristics. Would any of those guys be Heinlein or, or not? I don't see Heinlein in there. L. Ron Hubbard? L. Ron Hubbard, I think it could have been any of the guys in the room. Yeah. Because L. Ron Hubbard wasn't really all that noteworthy until he went crazy. Okay. All right. Um, it's just kind of interesting to, to, to think about with that stuff. Um. I think with Palps, the publisher, he, he just represents the typical, it was actually described this way um, in the companion, I think the unenlightened white man of the mm-hmm. time who doesn't have the spine to stand up for what he actually believes in. Because I don't think that Palps himself actually has a problem with what Benny Russell is writing he just knows that it won't be accepted and that the publisher will not like it and the public won't buy it if they find out that it's written by a black man. And even though he himself would publish it, he doesn't have the backbone to stand up to the publisher and say, this is what we should do and you could actually lead the way at science fiction. It's supposed to be about the future. Yeah, he does seem, he does seem very sympathetic to the idea, yeah. but kind of a chicken. Mm-hmm. And, I mean... I mean, cowardice is one thing, but he doesn't, you know, he, 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 like, he does actually try. He tries. And when he fails, he's like, oh, well, it didn't work out. Right. Yeah. Like, he doesn't even seem particularly tra- traumatized by it. He should have been much more sad. Yeah. yeah. Which, is the, which is the only real, like, negative mark against that character. So, one, one other thing which might uh, lend some credibility to, to what Max is saying with the shared realities and everything like that. I don't know what this all means, but feel like it's worth pointing out. Um, when we were watching the episode the other day, I was watching it with my wife, and she's like, oh, you know, who, what, what uniform is, is Michael Dorn wearing there as the baseball player? <laughs> oh, God. And then I'm like, well, that's the, the New York Giants, you know? And he's, she's like, oh, the New York Giants? You know, do they, you know, become the, the San Francisco Giants? I'm like, yeah, they did. And she's like, oh, that's really interesting because in Emissary, Cisco's wearing the San Francisco Giants cap. Mm. What does it all mean? I don't understand what the hell you're talking about. Maybe, <laughs> you maybe terrible, terrible monster. Maybe that 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 person or something like that, or maybe it's the the prophets themselves are just really big Giants fans. They don't understand baseball, man. <laughs> you're right. Sports <laughs> ball. Hashtag sports ball. <laughs> so we've talked a lot about the uh, supposedly fictional creator of Star Trek or not, and. Maybe we should talk about the creators of this particular episode um, in reality. 
Uh, it was written by Iris Stephen Bear and Hans Beimler, but the story was by Mark Scott Zacree. It sounds like, according to the companion, that there was some interesting uh, development in terms of this story. Zacree pitched it initially as a Jake story, and after thinking about it... Well, Jake's a writer, it makes sense. Right. After thinking about it, the writer's room went back to Zacree and pitched to him the idea of making it Cisco, uh, Benjamin Cisco, And then uh, Zacree developed the story, gave it back to them, and Bear and Beimler wrote it themselves. Uh, but it is interesting, and we brought this up on our Twilight Zone episode, that Mark Scott Zacree wrote this because Mark Scott Zacree's history is very much in the Twilight Zone, 50s era sci-fi world. He's, well, he is very, he, he is an expert yeah. on this particular slice of like fictional history and the history of fiction. Well, he's he's the, he's the Larry Nemechek of the Twilight Zone. Yes. <laughs> All right. And this this story, especially the original Jake concept, is very much like a Twilight Zone story. It is, yeah, very much. I mean, it's it's weird how much like a Twilight Zone story it is in some ways. Yeah. But like it, it's also really cool that Star Trek can go to this place and um, and come back from it safely. It's a very original series type of episode mm-hmm. in that you know mm-hmm. it's it's almost standalone you know the idea of it being you know like they would say an anthology series with standing yeah. sets and, and stuff like that even though they don't use any of the standing sets within the context episode, of ds9 it's very much yeah like they do use right. that back lot that's in all of the tv shows and movies yes yes yeah that's but true. they they put a lot of work into making it authentically 1953 New York for this one, and they actually built the diner out there on the street instead of on the soundstage. Yeah, they, uh, have, they, have, good, they have good people in those, yeah. in those back lots. They're, they managed to make those things look like everywhere in New York on Law & Order. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was actually kind of funny. Like, the one time that I took a tour of the Paramount lot when I was in L.A., the first time I was there 15 years ago, I, I actually saw a Borg walking around the, the back lot, which was amazing. Um, but uh, they're like, this is the New York City street, and you'll see this in blah, 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 blah. And then we went back to the hotel, and for whatever reason, we turned on Becker. And sure enough, there's Terry Farrell running around that those streets. It really is in everything. Yeah. So. Yeah. Anyway, all right. She could run into herself. She could, yeah. Okay, so uh, any final thoughts on Benny Russell as a creator or far beyond the stars in general, uh, Chris? Just after you listen to this, spend about an hour trying to imagine that Benny Russell wrote all of Star Trek. I don't know, it's yeah. one of my favorite it, episodes, as I said at the beginning, but after the discussion today, I have even more to think about because a lot of what Max brought up are things that I've only thought about up to a point but had not really gone that deeply into it. And I think that's really interesting, and it shows the strength of this episode that there are so many ways to read it. Yeah. Max? Um, there's, a, there's a part of my brain that is very stimulated by this episode's possibilities, like the idea of if, if we're seeing a window into this one, little, like, this one little corner of this reality, like if that reality is as big as the Star Trek reality, then... Presumably, it must expand um, exponentially very, very quickly. Uh, so I do sort of this weird, like, fan fiction in my head thing of, like, how do we get to more creators and more novels? And at what point do they start making feature films? And, like, I find parallel universes quite fascinating. And, uh, and, and one of the things is I try to find the longest path to get to us because at some point we have to be created by this guy or some guy inspired by Benny Russell. And the further I can get before that happens, the more fun it is. And, uh, I've, I've done that rationalization, um, that, that can, it can take like, uh, like 20 or 30 years to get to that point. It's very fun. All right. It's very fun. Once I get to like 50, I think, uh, I think I might have to stop. 
okay. At that point, we'll throw you in an asylum, and you'll just write all the connections on the wall. And No, I'll just have a blog. Oh, okay. Same, same difference. <laughs> Um, yeah, you know, I, I've always enjoyed this episode. Uh, I've always thought it was one of the best. Um, but looking at it again from this perspective made me appreciate it even more. And uh, I kind of want to rewatch it again, even though I just watched it last night and uh, sort of dig into it a little bit deeper. So definitely a lot of cool stuff going on in there. Definitely worth checking out. So, yeah. Yeah. All right, so Chris, um, what else have you got going on these days? You doing any podcasts or uh, a few podcasts? You know, just yeah. very, very well, busy. What are they? <laughs> busy uh, running and expanding the network as well for all of us, and um, our audience is growing. So, really appreciate everyone who's listening and uh, tuning in. And I'm not going to name all my podcasts because I'm on a lot of them. I will tell you about The Orb, though, which Matthew Rushing and I do together, which is all about Deep Space Nine. And we're going to have to have you guys over there to talk more about this episode because there are more angles to this that we can discuss. So we can do that there. I want to do that all the time. (laughs) And maybe maybe you can have us on literary tracks to talk about the I'm not even kidding. I could actually talk about this for for a ridiculous amount of time. Oh, you mentioned the book. Yeah. The book that expanded on this. Um, Have you read it? No. I read but it when it came I'm out. I'm going to now. Since. Yeah. I, I had no idea. Is that on audible.com? Unfortunately, no. no. They didn't have the audiobook version. But yeah, I didn't mention earlier in the show, but there is a novelization of this which adds, as I remember it, again, I haven't read it since it came out, and that was in 1999, I think. But I remember reading it at the time and thinking, well, this actually expands upon and adds a lot to the episode so i recommend that okay that's awesome i i i love this this episode and this subject well i think that max is going to start a benny russell podcast uh (laughs) soon so you can look forward to that on sundays or yep okay it's just gonna be me and my imaginary friends It's gonna be. It's gonna have three hosts, but they'll all be voiced by Max. Yep. Right. Yep. One will be me with very low energy. (laughs) Kind of like this. This is sort of me without any energy in my voice. That's gonna be one of. That's gonna be. Um. That'll be my quark character. Okay. Fair enough. So so tune into the orb if you like DS Nine and the other show I'll pitch is the Ready Room because that's our big show and everyone comes on there from time to time. And then just go and get the Trekka Film Complete Master Feed. It's in iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, all these places. And it actually has every episode of every show we do in one feed right there. So you can catch all of the episodes here with Mike and Max, as well as all the other episodes from all the other shows in there. Cool. Yeah. And I guess I should give my Twitter ID, right? Yeah. Is it called an yeah. ID? I don't know. Do I have to like talk handle. into a box or something? A handle? Is that ca- what it is? It's called a handle, yes. <laughs> Anyway, it's C. Brian Jones, the letter C and Brian with a Y. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for joining us. And, uh, yeah, we look forward to coming on the Orb for sure. Yeah, definitely. Oh, yes. It's been fun talking to Chris about Benny Russell today. But this is just one of the topics which we've been talking about on Trek.fm this week. Here's a look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.fm, Standard Orbit. With the Slushoverse, a lot of people are wondering, is J.J. going to stick Slusho into Star Wars? Earl Grey. It's like Leroy Jenkins. You know, he comes running in. <laughs> Sir, there's another starship entering the zone. It's the Enterprise! <laughs> <Wait>, Enterprise! <laughs> the Orb. But the, here's the thing. They put themselves in a box with Dax. It's such a cool sci-fi concept to say that the symbiont is the 300-year-old slug and the outer host body, you know, they're, they're mixed together. And that the, the host changes from the... The ready room. Because, I mean, what's the alter... If you're, if you're not going to do what, what Chris just suggested, I mean, what's it going to do? Get down on its knees and say, oh, Emissary, I'm with you now? I mean, <laughs> right, that's right. not really going to work either, right? So Allow me to, to ride my flaming chariot back to Starfleet. To the journey! I am genuinely excited for this week's episode because we are doing a commentary on Threshold. Yes, you heard that right. Threshold, the infamous episode that everybody loves to hate, but I love to love it. Warp 5. But the fact that 
they had been in so many other shows before <laughs> that they literally were pulling footage from Voyager to help flesh out that episode. I think it's sort of like it's a it's an Easter egg and it's a theme and it's also literally pulling out of another show. Commentary Trek stars. I feel like he always had the sense that the younger generation had a, a much clearer sense of what the future was going to be like than than sort of the, the previous one. Melodic Treks. And his theme come on and I just thought brilliantly tied in with the original series because these were the original series characters, but it was giving it a movie feel. And he just did a brilliant job on his composition. Continuing mission. We have had long discussions in the office about how we can get an appropriate chair sitting simulator into the game. Unfortunately, that's such a specific system that would really only be used by Riker. Literary treks. And then she leads him back to her place and says, Welcome back to my place. It's a good place to be together. And Kirk says, Together is good. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out these shows and get in on the daily Trek talk. You'll find them on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, the Windows podcast directory for Xbox and Zune. Or you can stream them from the website. Just visit trek.fm slash pd for podcast directory to get all the links. Before we go, we'd like to ask everyone to please support our sponsor who helps us bring commentary, Trek Stars, to you every week. And our sponsor for the show is audible.com. Audible is a great way for you to read all of the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have the time for. Audible is the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers and even some of the most famous Star Trek books like Prime Directive, Federation, and Spock's World, Audible has something for everyone. As a Trek.fm listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30-day trial to see just how great Audible is. So give it a try today. Catch up on all those classic Star Trek books you've yet to read and that latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And we thank Audible for supporting commentary, Trek Stars, and Trek.fm. And lastly, there's one more way you can directly help us keep commentary Trek stars coming to you each week, and that is by adopting some aliens. Well, illustrations anyway. If you go to trek.fm slash donate, you'll find eight original alien illustrations by Tobo Ushi, who does most of the artwork you see on our website. They're available as both badges and art prints, and there are different contribution levels for you to choose from. Just let us know which you would like and in which format. Again, you'll find them at trek.fm slash donate, and your support helps us pay for the cost of production, hosting, and bandwidth that's needed to bring the show to you each week. As always, you can find us right here on Trek.fm, and you can also find me on Trek.fm every week doing Standard Orbit with Drew. And you can find both of us on CommentaryTrackStars.com, where we do Commentary Trackstars off-topic along with our friend Brandon. And you can email us at ComTrackStars at gmail.com, or you can find us on Twitter at ComTrackStars. Well, that's it for our look at Benny Russell. And we will be back next week with an episode which we're hoping will be kind of special. <laughs>